You're with Julian on the Brown Note. Now, Pixar have had a really interesting run. Um, I guess next to Miyazaki's Studio Ghibli, they are undoubtedly one of the three, alongside Disney, most important and brilliant animation studios of all time. For me, I've, I've, I'm not as enthralled with modern Disney as the early Disney. Um, I understand their films get a lot of credit, but something like Beauty and the Beast or The Lion King just isn't interesting to me. And Miyazaki's films at Studio Ghibli are amazing. But then Pixar came along with an entirely new paradigm. And they were off... I mean, they did their Toy Stories and their Monsters, Inc. films, uh, which were brilliant in their own way. But for me, when they went art house and were more challenging or deep emotionally or sophisticated, they were at the pinnacle and rivaled Spirited Away or any of the other Miyazaki classics. And for me, I've got much less time for the Toy Stories than I do for films like Wally, Up, Inside Out, Coco, or Soul. Now, in recent years, Disney have become involved with them, and they have struggle to make films that aren't sequels i need one toy story movie i didn't need the rest uh the finding nemo sequel the cars two and three it seemed like they were pumping out these sequels and then they were and and like their original concept films should be sacrosanct because they were so good in a row um but a few of those have really stumbled the dinosaur film was their worst film possibly brave was not great and uh, last year onward wasn't particularly great but if there's a king of pixar it's pete doctor he has uh, an astonishing filmography with them he did monsters inc which is kind of in the toy story finding nemo you know family film zone but up and inside out are two of the best ever uh, alongside wally and coco for me and they're up and inside out and wally are probably the three most artistically wonderful films they've made at pixar and he's responsible for directing two of those films his filmography on rotten tomatoes monsters inc 96 percent up 98 percent inside out 98 percent soul 95 percent he's done some pretty decent work and he seems to be like their savior um he seems to be the guy that can still deliver an original concept pixar that is challenging and that is intellectually stimulating and he has returned with Soul, their latest film, which has uh, been released as a, you know, as a, a straight-to-video. Not really, but uh, it's um, it's sort of bypassed a major release in the cinema for a lot of streaming services due to the current COVID paradigm. Uh, this stars Jamie Foxx as, where's his name? I'll get the character's name. Joe Gardner. Now, Joe Gardner's a wannabe jazz musician who teaches kids how to play music at school At the, in the opening of the film. His parents or his mum wants him to become, you know, a permanent teacher at the school to get health benefits and, a, a, you know, a, a, a defined paycheck. He still harbours illusions of being able to become a jazz musician and travel the world playing with other great jazz musicians. It's his life. And he's scared of becoming a teacher and the same day he gets offered a full-time permanent role as a teacher he gets offered the best gig he's ever been offered by i think angela bassett plays the um dorothea williams uh she looks like angela bassett i would have guessed just from the visuals um she is a highly acclaimed jazz saxophonist 
who plays in smoky clubs, um, La La Land Land. Um, and she offers him a gig and to go on tour. And that is the best thing that's ever happened to him. And he has to balance the fact that his mum is going to be so disappointed if he takes this and doesn't take the job at the school. He's distracted walking home. He falls down a pothole and he dies. Uh, while he's thinking about the best day he's ever had in his whole life. And he wakes up as this white blob in some netherworld version of either the afterlife or the before life or uh, an, uh, an invocation of some terrestrial plane where souls live. Uh, and uh, it's suddenly gone from this very sort of visual representation of human beings into this completely different artistic paradigm of, of these amorphous blobs that float around and these very sort of weird cave painting people that seem to um, be the, um, the administrative staff of this realm. And from that point on, it's his trying to get back to Earth inside his own body so that he can attend. He's not prepared to be dead, so he can attend uh, the gig that evening and follow his dream. He is assigned... I'm giving away some of the plot, um, but it's kind of necessary. Uh, he's assigned... He manages to break out of this long elevator going up into heaven. It's never defined religiously. None of it is either for or against any religion. It just sort of... It paints this other world that we don't quite understand that is beyond the physical realm where souls live. Um, and he jumps off this elevator, which is taking him to his final destination... Uh, because he won't put up with being dead it's his best day ever and he falls through to a part of this realm where new souls are and they're little bouncy baby things and they're basically they're finding this spark so that they can go down and inhabit a newborn baby on earth um, and he manages to avoid being captured by this accountant uh, I'm not sure who plays the accountant Who's he? Terry, uh, Rachel House, a female New Zealand actor. She sounds very male. Um, she's a voice actress. Um, he starts hunting the missing soul because the, the numbers are out. But he gets appointed a mentor for one of the new souls. And all the new souls have mentors to help them travel through this realm and find what it is in life that would give them a spark so that when they go down to earth, they will find this spark that will make them inspired and have a happy life. Unfortunately, number 22, who he's given, is played by Tina Fey. She's been there for thousands of years because she completely refuses to ever go down to Earth. She finds it obnoxious and horrible and doesn't want anything to do with it. So she's had many famous mentors over the years, celebrities and famous mathematicians and philosophers, and she's broken every single one of them. And she is like, I'm going to do this to you, buddy. In the end, they manage through a, a, a weird sort of set of circumstances to both fall down to earth at the same time, which is, I won't spoil that bit, but basically the rest of the film is them on earth and trying to deal with the situation of him getting to the gig and her trying to deal with the situation of the fact that she never wants to be on earth in the first place. Um, and I won't give away too much more about that because it's... Um, it's in the middle bit, it's kind of like a chase movie where they're trying to get to a point where they can sort out the soul differences going on and he can just basically inhabit his body and go to the gig and she can go back to heaven uh, and sort of um, avoid ever having to go down to horrible earth along the way she finds out that she actually really likes it down there which puts a spanner in the works for his plans and there are sort of machinations along the way now 
This is a really interesting Pixar film. It, it, Peter Doctor's done great work here. This is the least child-friendly Pixar film I've ever seen. The concepts here are just too intellectually deep for any 10-year-old child to have a clue what this film's about. It's, uh, it's, 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 quite, it's their most existential film. And the themes here are not child's themes. It's not an anti-child film. There's nothing dark that will put the child off watching it, but they just won't understand anything that's happening. Um, the first 40 minutes of this film are probably at least as good as any Pixar I've ever put together. It might be the best 40 minutes of Pixar's career. Um, it is absolutely astonishing. The uh, vividness of uh, the Joe Gardner character's life is all kind of okay. That's really good. That's really well done. I love the way that Pixar has done depth perception in films now. Like the level of detail they get in backgrounds is just mind-blowing. And it looks as good as any Pixar film in the real world. I noticed that with Coco as well. It's just so amazing to look at. But then they drop into the soul world. And it's a completely different artistic paradigm. And then there are these really life and death existential theories and postulations thrown up, which are much denser and deeper than uh, any children's movie could get away with. And then when they finally tumble back to Earth, there's this massive kicker, which made me laugh out loud. And that whole 40 minutes is as good as any Pixar film I've ever seen. It is absolutely mind-blowingly brilliant. Another thing that is... Um, I will say this, the, the, the flaw in this film is that next sort of 40 minutes. Um, it doesn't quite live up to that opening. Um, it becomes more of a chase film and it becomes more rote uh, and repetitious and you kind of just, you, you kind of know the machinations that are going to happen to get there. Um, and then sort of in the last 20 minutes or so, it gets mind-blowing again and it gets actually a little bit dark and the ideas that are thrown up then are a lot more sort of um, challenging and about, you know, about how we think that we're going to have this, you know, we all live through life thinking that there is something that we'd really want to do and that we spend our whole lives, you know, if only I had the chance to be a TV presenter or a singer or... And how we staple everything in our lives to those dreams and, and miss out on the life itself and how if we actually got those things, it might not be quite what we expected or, as, or, or even as good. Uh, and those are the sort of challenging things that come up towards the end. I thought that after a, a little bit of a lame midsection, the film came back to life for me in the final sort of 20 minutes uh, and it went in surprising directions. Maybe the final bit was a little bit pat because um, it could have um, ended a, a little bit darker and it ended up just going for a fluffy result. Um, so it does. It's not as consistently great as something like Inside Out, Up, or Wally, -E, and maybe not as emotionally. Coco built and built towards its final third and was amazingly emotionally satisfying over that third. This one has its best third in the opening third, and then it kind of picks everything back up again. Lots about this I thought was artistically stunning. Um, one example would be they use a lot of jazz music piano jazz music in the film which would have been a normal pixar soundtrack really really cool um but when they go into the soul realm they use one of the most fated duos in soundtrack history trent reznor of nine inch nails and atticus ross who won an oscar for the social network did the music to seven 
and have done a dozen of some of the most acclaimed soundtracks of all time. When they fall into the soul realm, it, it changes to this ice-cold, whirring electronica, and the blending of those two is so good. It's such an artistic thing for Pixar to have done, just the way they blend the vivid cartoon, real cartoon, semi-realistic-looking real world with this very sort of abstract soul world which is totally different um a lot of good voice work i don't always like jamie fox he's usually a bit overbearing for me he's not here he's really really subdued he's a really nice character i was expecting him to overplay the role and be a bit too jamie fox but he's not he's really good tina fey is perfectly cast as as 22 the soul that doesn't want to go down to earth graham norton an inspired choice but perhaps the most, I wish he was in it more, and I don't, I can't remember his name, but the guy from the IT crowd, Richard Adebayo, I'm not going to say his name right, but you know who I mean, the guy from the IT crowd with the glasses, he's so good. I don't understand why they haven't been using him in every cartoon, because he just stands out by a mile. Um, I found that the, this, the, the realisation of this soul world to be really, really good. Um, um, it's it, it bypasses religion. It doesn't need to say yes or no to religion, um, but it throws up really interesting paradigms, and, and it turns the whole thing into a, a, almost like an admis, administrative task. And it also shows this like there's another world in it where um, where people get transcendental when they're playing or listening to music. Their soul comes back into this world, um, and sometimes people's souls get crushed by long laborious jobs working in banks and they come back to this lost souls realm where um, i think the graham norton characters roaming around in this pirate ship lassoing them and rescuing them it's quite amazingly inventive and imaginative um i really really want to acclaim pete doctor here for having uh, a very bravely challenging concept and execution here um like i said up against perfection wally and the like um, it's not quite there, but at the same time, it does take so many risks, and such a lot of it is artistically brilliant as well. It's very funny, the characters are warm, and it's um, it's not even very long either. I think it's like an hour and 45 minutes, but I, even, I was weighing up what to give it. I think even with the some of the missteps through the mid-third and the fact that it doesn't quite give you enough to reference that opening third to maybe completely satisfactory but at the same time it does really beautiful things artistically which i haven't really seen to that extent in a pixar film and the fact that they haven't even bothered to pay lip service to their young audience here with the themes of the of the film coco did that this is an extension of coco in regards to the way that it it deals with the realm of death and souls beyond life and that did so much more successfully for kids but this is a much more art house proposition and I thought the last 20% of the film sort of brought it all back to me and, and, and sort of was worthy of the opening. So I'm going to give Soul a 9 out of 10. I think it was probably worth an 8, 8.5 because of that sort of semi-flawed midsection but it's so much more artistically interesting. I love the bit at the end for instance where they've had the jazz piano music and they've had the Atticus, Trent Reznor, Electronic Whirring and Bleeps and he starts playing piano, but instead of it being jazzy, it's like the Nine Inch Nails kind when they use piano. And I thought that was beautiful, the way that these artistic moments happen. He's obviously thought really a lot about this film. So 9 out of 10 for Soul. 
Really annoyed at some of the reviewers here who have paid out on the film for not being politically African-American enough. I hate this kind of attitude. They said that it's a whitewashed version of black America. They could have cast this film with white people. This wasn't a political film. They could have cast it with white people, but because they've cast it with black people, some reviewers have actually paid out on it for not investing enough into modern black politics. And I think that's really unfair. Why not? It just encourages writers not to do that. They didn't have to make it a black film because it could have been about anyone. It's a universal film. It just encourages people not to bother. But Soul, a 9 out of 10. 